Coming up on Supernatural Confessions. Every single time the Chinese lunar seventh month, right? I can never sleep the whole night. And then when you fall asleep, you see a lot of things, but you don't know what are those things. In my dream, right? This man kept asking me, give it back to me, give it back to me. I was like, give what? Player. Supernatural. Is anyone here? Please give us a sign. Supernatural. Supernatural. Confessions. Supernatural. Confessions. <sighs> Hello, and welcome to Supernatural Confessions, our weekly podcast where we feature and discuss all things supernatural, especially here in Singapore and Southeast Asia. We cover the myths, the urban legends, the superstitions, and most importantly, your personal encounters with the paranormal. I'm your host, Timo, inviting you to share your stories with us on our Facebook page or on our website, supernaturalconfessions.com. This episode features clips from our live show, which I host of Supernatural Confessions founder, Eugene Tay, streaming Friday nights at 10 on FB Live. Also joining us is veteran paranormal investigator E.T., whose critical approach and attention to detail have given him a keen eye and the insight to make rational deductions and find scientific explanations to most paranormal cases. To catch it in full, search for Supernatural Confessions and like us on Facebook. And now, on to the show. Supernatural Confessions Our first feature tonight is from Confessor Kay, who last spoke to us about her haunted dreams. She returns to Supernatural Confessions to share more of her paranormal encounters. You know, when I was younger, I'm constantly talking to someone, right? And I always regard that someone as Coco. My mom has four child, right? So right before me, they wanted to stop already. So my mom aborted a guy, but then she didn't do any ritual. So when I was born, because I'm an accident, uh, accident child, so my dad said, I never like accident again, keep, uh, no choice. Then I started talking and playing. Every single time when I play, right, I will play with someone. And I'm like, Coco, come here, come here, okay. And then after that, when I was uh, about six or seven years old, when um, I was uh, riding a bicycle, and then, you know, there's a car dashing towards me. And then I didn't get killed because I fell. And then that was when I told my mom, someone pushed me, Coco pushed me so I never get hit. Then my mom knows that it was the unborn child. And then my mom went to the medium to, you know, do some ritual, let the child go on and do whatever. To watch the video interview with Kay, visit Supernatural Confessions on YouTube. Kay's brushes with the supernatural as we found out go much further, back to a childhood, even as early as kindergarten. Holy family kindergarten. Every single time, my, my husband told me not to, not to share this, but I, I really needed to. So every single time when we run into the kindergarten, all the kids will be happy, right? Because they are sweets, teachers, and then friends. I will always say no. I will always cry because I always see these grey looking men super tall, holding out the hand like this, and all the kids were run over. And then, he was super tall. He's super big, and he has a beard. 
and then he just put the hand out like this and then all the children will be happily running running in my mom couldn't take it anymore every single day right my mom couldn't get to work because she will need to accompany me in the class because i'll keep on staring outside at the door like into the sky and then after that brought me to the same Kuan Yin again i told Kuan Yin what i saw Kuan Yin says jesus as of this podcast recording we have officially entered the seventh month of the lunar calendar also known as the chinese ghost month Many believe that during which the gates to hell are opened and the spirits of the dead are free to roam the land of the living once again. Kay, who is already particularly sensitive to spirits, also happens to be a nurse. And as you can imagine, this has led to some very interesting experiences during the Chinese seventh month. Every single time until the seventh month, right? The Chinese lunar seventh month, right? Even before they say that, oh, the gate is open, right? I know that it's open already. I can never sleep the whole night. You are tired, but then you can't fall asleep. And then when you fall asleep, you see a lot of things, but you don't know what are those things. So I experienced a lot of things in the ward. Okay, I share with you this. Okay, one of this lady. So she's a Caucasian. She lives in Singapore alone. So she doesn't have anyone. So she only have like a maid. So unfortunately, she fell and she broke her hip. So usually, hip replacement, you will have to go through rehab and things like that. So operation was done, and she's supposed to transfer to rehab facilities the next day. So I was on night shift. I was on permanent night. Then what happened was permanent night. Usually, there's uh, one ama and three nurses. So there's only four of us. Then uh, two staff nurses and one junior nurse. The whole night, the lady was like screaming, "Help! Help! There's someone in my room." They were like, "Oh my god, just go to sleep." I don't know whether it's you know my colleagues think that it's like demented or whatsoever. But she was fine the whole month she was there. Right, she was okay. Only that night, it's like so weird. I mean, I was like, "Well, ma'am, you're transferring tomorrow. You will be fine." No, sleep with me. There's someone in the room. I was like, "Shit," but I didn't see anything. Until the last bit, so the whole night she was asking for help. So she didn't sleep. So we switch on the lights. We didn't switch it off. It was private room. You have like all the privacy, and it's very big. So sometimes at the counter we can't really see what's inside. Then she was like saying that close the blinds because there's reflection. I think she saw something, but personally I couldn't see anything at that point of time. So we closed the blinds, and then after that we wanted to close the blind to cover her from like the lights or so. She said. No, no, no! Don't close it. Um, sleep with me. Stay with me here. Now I'm like, I can't. You see. So on and off. You know, every hour we go in and check on her. She was well. General well-being, all well. Confirmed for transfer, right? Transport already booked at 10 a.m. So I was night shift. Then in the morning after sponging, when we were sponging her, she was fine. But then she didn't sleep the whole night. So it's like bloodshot eyes. She was so tired. At seven in the morning, we have to do what we call a blood sugar before we serve the medication and before breakfast. It's called pre meal. So my colleague、uh, went to the neighboring ward to get the the machine because ours was faulty. So I was preparing the morning medication. My the other colleague was busy behind with the isolation room. So when I walked out, my colleague shouted, "Ah!" Then I was like, "What?" Then after that, she's like. Where is so and so? Then I was like, in the room because I saw someone going into the room. She shouted. She felt something. Ah, where is where is B? 
And I say, in the room with Madam So-and-so. And then after that, what happened was I saw B coming in. I was like, shit. Oh my god, did you see all these goosebumps? Oh, so what happened was I literally, uh, this is no kidding, uh, that's what I saw. I was standing right at the counter holding two of my kidney dish. I looked into the room. I saw one lady behind the curtain, long hair, because I always remember what my mom said. If you see anyone, check top to toe. I look and I look at the bottom. No fit. Oh my god! <laughs> and then I stunned. So A shouted, B shouted, who's in the room? I mean, I still remember Wilma, don't go in, Wilma, don't. Then while we passing report, the lady collapsed. And then she passed on. On the day where she's supposed to transfer to rehab. How can that be? It's impossible. So I believe that's like <laughs> a spirit that wanted to take her away for the whole night. Another one was when, when I was junior nurse, I was doing uh, end of life. So this patient demise lah. So from gastric cancer. So you know last time Chinese we have this thing where you can put the talisman inside one. So I had that because my mom passed on already. So my dad say you have to put that on when you're working. So you know how tight that thing is, right? And I'm gonna tell you, it's up to you to believe me or not, but I know this freaking happened to me. So, demise. This uncle is a Christian. So the wife said, when you clean him up, uh, leave the cross there. But because we have to send to mortuary, ma, we can't, you see, because definitely if you pass on in, a, in the ward, right, it's always a coroner's case because they need to check whether there's a medication overdose or any... Um, mistreatment or misdose or whatsoever but in this case of course you know generally we will just send everything uh, as coroner's case to mortuary so we have to clean everything put them in a shroud tie them up and send it in with the undertaker so i clean everything but because i can't keep the cross there right so i took it off and i put it in my pocket <laughs> i'm not supposed to keep patients belonging and then the wife said to leave it there. Then because it was so late, it was um, afternoon shift during juniors. And it was like, what, 11.30 already. I was so freaking tired. Then the next day morning shift, you know. So what happened was, I do everything already. I write report, send everything, close the file already. I said, whatever not finished, tomorrow morning I'll come back, you know. But I need sleep. So I went to the toilet to change. Uh, because we, are on, uh, we were in uniform scrubs, ma. And then usually after we pack, we would want to change clean coats and then go home. When I went to pee, I heard tong tong tong. I was like, eh, what's that? I didn't know. I didn't know it's gone. Then, because I was wearing the uniform, right? I changed and then I keep my uniform uh, in, in my locker. So I went home. I didn't know it was gone because I was so tired. The next day, I didn't even turn up to work. Fever, 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 fever. And then, in my dream, right, this man kept asking me, give it back to me, give it back to me. I was like, give what? I don't know, give what? Then I was so scared, I cried and cried and cried. No choice, I called my dad. I said, Daddy, this man wants something from me and I don't know what is it. Then, I 
got myself well because I only got like few days of MC right then I went back to the ward then after that my colleague told me that hey there's this patient's wife kept calling and asked you where is the cross I was like alamak this is the man that died this man appeared in my because he looked so well when he passed when it, well, he looked totally different because you know when a person is sick and a person is well it's very different he looked not sick in my dream then I was like shit yeah I remember the cross because the wife asked me to keep with the patient but I couldn't and then because I was sick then I never washed my uniform right so he's in my locker all this while so I call up the wife I returned back the cross so that they can cremate together so they waited you know because that cross was with him since young they cannot cremate because anyway for Christian's um, funeral usually about a week or so it, it won't be like three days you know that kind of thing so they still can stall lucky thing is I went back if I now go back it was sick all the way I think I died already Alright, thank you very much to Kay for sharing those stories with us. Creepy, creepy stories coming from the uh, hospital and now we've got a little bit more insight as to uh, what happens or really what is the mind frame, especially for the late night nurses during this particular month of the year. Uh, Joanne Lowe had something very interesting. This is the first time I'm hearing it from anywhere. I read somewhere seven months was actually created by two medical scholars due to malaria outbreak during the month of July at that time. And because most of them are not educated and do not know what the self-quarantine so the two made up the ghost that is coming out to haunt them when the seven month comes about you know it makes sense I mean many many times and this is a recurring theme that you will hear on this show a lot of you know what we know as superstitions or folklore they came about really to police social behavior because it is easy to get people to follow certain rules when you work in some aspect of the supernatural yeah you know maybe years down the road right decades maybe even centuries because of this whole covid situation if i'm um, okay touch wood lah, okay if it doesn't get better and people need to enforce social distancing I wonder what kind of uh, supernatural elements are going to be added just so that people will will stay safe, right? You don't wear masks, the hunter will come and follow you. You know how spirits possess you? They go through your mouth. Well, we're on the topic of superstitions, practices, rituals, what we believe in. Obviously, there are so many. And every year, these get rehashed over and over and over again. There's a whole list of stuff that you should and should not do during this particular month. In fact, we actually had two podcast episodes dedicated mm. to it last year. If you're interested, it is episode 12 and 13. You can find our audio podcasts on Spotify, on Apple, iTunes, wherever podcasts are heard, where Eugene and myself actually run through some of these things that are practiced, right? But... Mm. Uh, now that we've got ET with us, what are some of the ones that always stand out to you? Yeah, so so that's the thing, because you know I'm always the one that goes against all this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> so when, when my mom was alive, she used to tell me, hey, you cannot go swimming, la, cannot do this, cannot, especially water bodies you're not allowed to, right? Yeah. Correct. So you know what I did? I went what? diving. Yeah. <laughs> I went scuba diving during the seven. Nothing. So I thought, okay, la, I can find stuff and things like that. Nothing. Have you have you heard of Don't Tempt Fate? Yeah, but you know me, right? ET being CSI. I got to try one. Okay, so aside from the swimming thing, uh, what else always pops out to you during a uh, seven month? Yeah, so then the other thing is you're not supposed to drive 
drag your slippers, right? Because they say you drag your slippers as you walk, the hantu will follow you. But that's just your mum trying to tell you don't be a lazy fella and just drag your feet. You're supposed to be walking normally. All right, over to you, Eugene. You've got a few favourites. What my grandma has told me about, she said, okay, no swimming is one of them. I never hear about the don't drag slipper thing. But the other thing that I was told not to do when people is burning all the ashes and they're lighting the incense, don't go anywhere near because you can't see the spirits there. But if you walk through or walk past or step on offerings, you might offend a spirit. So always say, I'm sorry. And once again, you know, you can run through the whole list uh, that we went through last year in episode 12 and 13 of the Supernatural Confessions podcast. If you see bugs, right, in your house, don't kill them because these could be your relatives, your ancestors who passed on, who are now back to, you know, visit. So what I love about, uh, I think, culture and customs in general is we tend to take the supernatural and we try to weave that with the reality that we understand and experience on Earth. One of the original stories of Seven Month and Hungry Ghost Festival started from this movement called the Ulambana Festival, which is the Ghost Festival. In that origin story, it's about this guy called Mu Lian, who became a monk and disciple of Buddha, and he gave his mother some money with the instruction that please accept any monk who come to you and host them with this money. The mom, being a greedy person, did not want to host the traveling monks. And when she died with all the money, uh, she went down to hell and she had a very small mouth and a very small throat. And she's constantly suffering and she's hungry. So her son, which is a disciple of Buddha, was praying. And when he went down to hell to see how much his mom was suffering, he was very upset. And he says, I want to feed my mother. So he would feed her with rice and water, but the minute the rice and water touch her mouth and her lips, it turned to dust. So she's constantly hungry and suffering, but she just mm. cannot die from hunger. So the son, Mulian, went up to Sakramuni Buddha and said, how can I help my mother? And Buddha says, in order for you to earn merits to help your mother out of misery, you need to provide food for those who need food. So mm. that entire act of feeding people who need food became part of the storyline that is tied in with the concept of filial piety, which is what Nulian is trying to do to save his mother. So over time, people started feeding hungry spirits. So the hungry ghost concept came about because of Nulian's mother being a hungry ghost and how Nulian mm. would feed everybody else, every other spirit, every other hungry monks in order to pass merit on to his mother. So when today we burn offerings for wandering spirits, we offer food or spiritual food to all these entities because in the hopes and beliefs that our own ancestors will benefit from the merits that we are giving. But if we look at how modern it has become, where we can now burn branded goods, handphones, yeah. cars, and all that. At the root of it all, what Hungry Ghost Festival is primarily about is for the living to feel that they have done something right to their ancestors. It's all about filial piety. And whether the, the truth that our ancestors actually receive these goods, mm. receive this food, till today, unless someone comes up and a tanki says, yes, I have, you know, I tell tang, and then the hell god told me, yes, they have received it in, now in your bank account. Uh, so we don't know. So the skeptics will always say, what you're burning for is a waste of time. The believers, however, obviously they believe in it, is about feeling good that they have done something for their ancestors. You are not alone. Supernatural Confessions Our next series of stories involve our very own Singapore Changi Airport. 
consistently rated the world's best airport. It's also one of the world's busiest airports by international passengers and cargo traffic. And as we're about to find out from airline crew member Ming, it's not just the passengers keeping it busy. Ming sent us not one, not two, but three chilling stories that will make you fear more than just missing your flight the next time you're at the airport. For those who don't know, Changi Airport is built on reclaimed land. In the past, this area was actually a Malay fishing village. Over at Terminal 2, this gate, F59-60, is the last gate at the very far end. Next to it is an automated travelator, and people need to actually be on this travelator before it starts to move. But what is very, very interesting is that sometimes, at particular times of the day, this travelator starts moving on its own. Now, some people have also seen a little girl sitting at the top of the arrow bridge, swinging her legs, and others have seen her sitting on a tree across the runway. And when they see her, she's always wearing a white dress. She has long hair, and she's got no eyes. At Terminal 2, Gate F35, there was an incident a few years ago. It was an accident involving a toll car which rammed into the gates, and the driver died instantly. Now, if you want to use this particular gate, travelers have to walk down a flight of stairs to board the bus, which then brings them to the plane. Once, my colleague and I were preparing to receive the travelers boarding the plane, and there were only two of us. And suddenly, someone walks into the holding area from the boarding side to tell us that the bus was ready. Now, we were so preoccupied that we just replied, okay. Now, it was later on when we realized that the door could only be opened from the inside of the holding area. So how did that person come in? At Terminal 3, you will find Gate B10. And here is the weird thing. If you come by this gate, you will notice that the air here is always colder than any of the other gates in T3. The reason is because just below is the mortuary. This is where the bodies of people who die on flights or are being repatriated from overseas will be held. There was once my colleague walked past and smelt something fishy. But there was no one in the holding area because there were no flights scheduled at that gate. On another occasion, while we were doing our usual routine after all the flights had left, we were walking back to the ops room. Suddenly, a ball comes bouncing out of the room. Now, we were all really tired, so we didn't think much of it, and my friend just went forward and picked up the ball. Now, after he picked it up, we looked around, but there were no kids anywhere. That was really weird. And then suddenly we heard the sound of children running around, like they were playing. We could hear shouting, we could hear giggling, we could hear playing, but we couldn't see anything or anyone. So we looked into the holding room. The lights were off, but we could almost see the reflection of kids running around inside. But we knew that there was no one there. Now Ming ends off with one particular piece of information that everybody should know the next time you take a flight. 
When people die on board a flight, they're always covered with a blanket. And these are the same blankets that are given out to the passengers. So keep that in mind the next time you're on a plane and you're cold and you ask for a blanket. Supernatural Confessions Okay, so I'm going to take a few things into consideration here. First of all, Ming works at the airport. So I'm going to give that high percentage of authenticity there. He has first-hand experiences, not even listening to somebody else. So like when the travelator is faulty and things start to to really uh, act up, on one hand, we can always blame it on technical error. But also do take note that at that particular gate of 59 and 60, there have been multiple sightings of a woman in white, whether she's a chickpoon or whether she's residual energy. But it's too much of a coincidence that only the travelator in the entire three terminals of airport is faulty. And from what I understand from Ming, uh, engineering department has came down multiple times and there's nothing wrong with that travelator. So if we take into consideration uh, part of investigations is we use a sensor to detect movement and the travelator uses that same motion detector. So if there's nothing wrong with the engineering, there's nothing wrong with the tech, but yet the motion detector detects things moving and it starts to operate, taking our knowledge of paranormal investigation into play here, it only goes to show that that sensor must have detected something. And for the entity to be seen at gate 59, 60, not just by one person, but by multiple eyewitnesses which have no uh, correlation to one another. Now, I'm not there. I can't say that I've seen it. But based on the evidence that's given to us, I tend to feel that there is something to that place rather than just to rubbish it off. I think there might be some truth to it. With regards to the second one where two persons are working and uh, there was an accident spot and someone come up to them to say, hey, the gate is ready. Now that is something with the information that I've been given, I cannot categorically say that it is haunting because two persons are working, there's no other stuff around them. Maybe, maybe at that point in time, they could have heard something. I don't know, but it's not enough for me to say it is the soul of the dead person coming up to them to talk to them. So I don't have enough information. So I'm a bit iffy on that one. Something just to drop in, just uh, before you you carry on. While we mentioned in the story itself that it used to be a fishing village, someone just actually mentioned as well, not sure which one, but one of the terminals is possibly uh, built over a Japanese occupation execution site. I think that's T3. So this is common knowledge then? Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, I mean, T1, T2, we know that the whole place is on reclaimed land and uh, there have been... Mm. Changi is not a clean spot as well. So in another part of the story, maybe next time I might share my own personal experiences there, I have seen something in Changi Airport as well. But the stories that we are are sharing today is the first time for me because these are people working behind the area that we don't have access to. And I think that's also something new for me that I learned today that it's actually a mortuary or at least a holding cell for dead bodies to be placed there. And I think it only makes sense. Again, I don't know how true that is, but I was an air crew before and I do know that we do transport bodies from countries to countries. And I always wondered, where do all these coffins get held at? They can't be held in the same luggage counter with the rest of our baggage. And it's interesting to know that they actually have a holding room for that. Uh, And for the person to actually walk past and to hear children playing and a ball roll out. Now, I don't know about supernatural experience part of it, but I know children are not allowed inside. 
and all the more to be playing in such restricted zone. So if he heard something from there, exhaustion aside, EMF aside, he has a tangible ball to pick up. Now that is more than just an imagination. So all in all, I will give this story, this confession, uh, a seven upon ten with regards to how authentic it is in terms of supernatural experience. Mm. Well, it's over to you, Et. We've heard from the believer. Now let's hear from the CSI. Okay. Interestingly, when uh, Eugene and I used to lead ghost tours, majority mm. of the places are actually near Changi area. Okay. Mm. Uh, in the past, actually, my dad actually always tell me not to swim in. You know the part near Changi Village, that that beach area, that what they call Changi End. My dad say never ever go there and swim because he tells me tales of how every year, right, one life will be claimed each year. Someone would drown there. So okay, the the thing is this. I'm just thinking, could it be the radars and equipment used by the airport? As well as you realize Changi has got a lot of uh, army camps. There's a signal camp there as well. Could these camps and the airport actually generate very high levels of EMF? Oh, oh I knew he was going to say EMF. I knew it. The moment he said, right, the army camps on there, Changi Airport, there are signals. But like- are they not there? They are there. Okay, wait, the thing is this. It doesn't mean that EMF explains everything, right? The thing of contention here is, does EMF make us perceive all these entities or does EMF actually attract these mm. spirits? Mm. Ah, so I'm not saying that it's not the hantu, ah, so I'm not sure. Ah. Okay, that, and, and all the experiences that this contributor had, could it be stress from the work that he has been having? Because he said only after the flights uh, were done and then they were doing their stuff. So it could be from fatigue, uh, rushing here and there. It can cause one to imagine things. An alternative view is that the high EMF, which I said earlier, uh, could attract these entities. And the other way, the scientific view is that it makes the mind imagine things. So I remember just now you were saying that Kay, right, sometimes she saw flashes of light. Okay, so I spoke to a, a neurosurgeon. He did tell me that very high levels of EMF actually causes the mind to see these bright flashes. Okay, so to a certain extent, um, you know, it can be explained by science. And as what Tay said, because he, he was a, a crew, right? So, so my friend were, were the ones that actually load cargo. Mm. Do you actually know that coffins get loaded into the plane where your luggages are as well. Yeah, exactly what what that this person said is totally true. So, mm. and I'm sure there will be one part where they have to process all these uh, dead bodies and stuff. So, a cold spot wouldn't be, you know, something surprising because when, when someone passes on, especially when they're lost, you get a tourist that passes on maybe mid-flight or something like that. They do get lost. The, the spirit is what we call a, a residual haunting. Mm. They tend to stay around the area and that could be the possibility of causing that cold spot, making them feel that it's cold at that area. I was actually thinking uh, that when you have a mortuary in that area, the mortuary would have to be colder than the rest of the building. And that's why if the floor below is fully air-conditioned and is below sub-zero degree, the floor above would be colder and therefore that's the cold spot. So I'm now leading to the, the scientific side. So we need to switch. Yeah. <laughs> E.T., you didn't, you didn't mention the ball. The freaking ball. Uh, yeah. The ball bounced out of the mortuary, right? That would not be the only ball that dropped. <laughs> My ball would drop as well. <laughs> All right, if I saw this thing going doing, doing, doing out of the freaking mortuary. That's why I left it out because I have no explanation for it. Okay. Yeah, but then when the ball is there, it doesn't mean that it has to be kids. A soccer player might be having a ball oh, as well. Oh, okay. Right? So when no one's around, the mortician's like, all right, five aside, come on. Don't worry, the competition's dead. <laughs> Competition is dead. <laughs> My God, damn. <laughs> You are not alone. Supernatural Confessions As we know, the pandemic has put travel plans on hold. But with tales like this, even if you could go on holiday, would you still want to? Our final story tonight 
was submitted by Ling. Growing up, my family was very used to visiting Tangkis. I was even told from young that due to the time of my birth, I am more of a yin person. Although I can't see anything supernatural, I've had dreams. During seventh month, I normally dream about my late grandmother. I've also had dreams about an ex-schoolmate who talked and smiled at me even though she had already passed away. Once I had a dream about an acquaintance, and in the dream, he wanted to borrow a jacket because he was very cold. And the next day, my friends told me that he had died in a motorcycle accident. But the story I want to tell you tonight happened last April. My hubby and I wanted to go on a short trip to JB. We found a, a great deal on Airbnb. It was nice, it was clean, and it was only $60 a night, and it came with very good reviews. The only issue was that it was quite ulu and far away from the malls, but since we were driving, we didn't care. The apartment was in an underdeveloped area surrounded by a forest. The condo itself was pretty new, just two or three towers. In fact, it must have been so new that the renovations were still going on. There were plastic sheets on the ground, unpeeled protective film on the lift, and even the smell of new paint. The apartment was one bedroom, had a balcony. Toilet was right opposite the bedroom but separated by a study desk area, and there was also a kitchen behind the toilet. The TV came with free Netflix, and the aircon smelt new and fresh, and the decor, the furniture and the lights were all very, very modern. So all in all, we were quite happy with the place. Now my hubby and I went for our usual shopping and makan session, but somewhere along the lines, we got into a little spat. So when we got back, he decided he wanted to stay out in the living room while I went to the bedroom to sleep alone. Now even though I was alone, I kept the door open. I turned off the lights because the room outside, the study desk area and the toilet was well lit, so I didn't need a light in the room itself. The bed was comfy and I fell asleep. My husband also ended up falling asleep on the sofa outside in front of the TV. Remember I told you I tend to have dreams? Well, that night, I had a dream. In my dream, I was still in the same apartment and someone was knocking on the main door. From the bed, I could look out into the living room and I saw a group of Chinese people let themselves into the apartment. There were seven or eight of them. There was a mix of old and young, teenagers and middle-aged uncles and aunties. I didn't know them but they seemed friendly and so I wasn't really afraid. They stood around my bed and they started to sing what sounded like Christian hymns. Now I myself, I'm a Buddhist. I was once close to converting to Christianity but it didn't happen. Anyway, in that dream, while I was hearing the songs, I could pick up a message in the music. It said, in an argument, if you want to give in, you have to think of whether it will help the other party to become a better person and not just give in blindly. Now I'm still dreaming, right? And then it's time for them to leave. Some shook my hand, some pat me on the shoulder, and I just lay in bed 
watching them. I watched all this happen in front of me. And the next thing I knew, my husband was shaking me, trying to wake me up. Now it was 3am, but he insisted that we go out to get supper or something. I just wanted to go back to sleep, but I could tell something was up, so I agreed to come out of the room. We didn't go out, we ended up sitting on the sofa in the living room. And that was when he told me. He had fallen asleep, but he got woken up by the sound of voices. He could hear like 8 to 10 people talking, but there wasn't anyone there. And the voices were coming from my bedroom. So he got up, and he walked to the bedroom, and he saw me sleeping. But there was no one there. And then the voices stopped. So he walks to the kitchen to get something. And while he's trying to figure out what's going on, he starts hearing the voices again. Now my husband is, he's not the superstitious kind. He's not the hysterical kind. He's very logical. So he just couldn't figure out what was going on. He hadn't been taking any medication, he hadn't been drinking. All he knew is that he had to go and check up on me. And while he's thinking about this, the voices start coming on. He quickly walks to the bedroom. The voices stop just as he gets there. So he goes to the toilet. And remember, the toilet is directly opposite the bedroom. So he sits down to do his thing. All throughout, he can watch me from where he's sitting. And when he sits down, he sees a figure looming over me while I'm asleep. Now it was only for a split second, but it was enough for him to see that this was a humanoid figure, all black, very dark, darker than the room. And then it just disappeared. And at that point, he got out of the toilet he was overwhelmed with this feeling that he needed to get me out of the room. And that's when he woke me up. He pulled me out, we sat on the sofa, he told me what was going on. And we checked out at 11am the next morning. The first thing that came to my mind was she's very intuitive and able to connect with uh, the other realm. Lah. So maybe she even has some psychic abilities. And as we know, right, usually these entities when they know that someone has the ability, they tend to go towards these people to try and communicate. But at the same time, they keep the distance because as you know, all humans have their life force that actually uh, repels them. But maybe let me just explain to you guys about dreams, okay? Dreams basically occur during your REM. Okay, REM stands for rapid eye movement, okay, which can happen multiple times uh, during your sleep. Why it's called REM? Because your eyes actually move. You know, you've seen those movies, right? When people are sleeping, um, your eyes actually move. So that's what we call REM. Okay, you, you actually increase body movement as well. You, you start to have a bit faster kind of breathing. This usually happen 90 minutes after you sleep because all those things are happening. Your brain activity is actually the same as when you're awake. The theory actually suggests that dreams occur when our brain is actually processing information. What it's actually doing, right, is eliminating unnecessary stuff. So actually what, what it's doing is trying to consolidate what happened throughout the entire day or, or maybe uh, important stuff and things like that. They also realized during the research that people who recall their dreams, uh, they actually have different abilities to be able to memorize things in general. Okay, Beyond that, right, person's brain actually blocks out a dream that we don't want to remember the following day so that, that's very interesting to know about human psychology okay and, and because of that the, the ones that we want to keep the dream activity can be so real and intense right that our brains actually uh, hide 
and mask away all those that we don't want to remember and let's us feel the ones that we really want to analyze or so-called CSI. Okay, so the ones they want to push out, you usually you'll forget it uh, the next day. What is interesting is people who remember their dreams are, are usually prone to daydreaming. They are creative thinkers and basically they're just very artistic you know um, those people that are a bit more boring okay a bit more practical and focused on tasks and stuff like that they are the ones that have a difficulty remembering their, their dreams okay so it's interesting to also note that other factors like stress or trauma can cause people to have vivid dreams or nightmares which can actually explain what actually happened that night okay so the reason why i explained to you guys about the dreams was for me to continue with my conclusion okay so what i think happened that night was that her brain was actually analyzing the argument that she had with her hubby it was trying to push out things and then try to analyze things and then the the figure that she saw you know they were around and they were having some calming music it was a way of her brain actually calming her down so that she'll be in a better state of mind to be able to analyze the entire quarrel Okay, interesting that when she said at the end of the dream, she actually had an epiphany that if you give in, don't do it blindly because you need to know whether it helps the other person get better or not, which is very interesting for someone to actually say that. And then next, when the husband was doing his thinking at his business place, right, the husband saw this soul figure that was above her. So when I heard the story, the first thing that came to my mind was that soul figure he saw was most likely her astral body because she was in deep sleep. REM means you're in very deep sleep. Okay, and what she was having was an out-of-body experience. So you notice also in the story that each time he walked over, the sounds that he made, right, might have actually startled the wife, causing her astral body to actually go back to the physical body. So to me, I think it was a bit of an out-of-body experience because she was in deep sleep. But at the same time, her mind was analyzing the entire quarrel. And then, you know, what was beautiful was, you know, it kind of like fizzled out and they were like a happy couple after that. So now we know, right, whenever we quarrel with our wives, we should just tell them, let's go and sleep over it. Okay, if my wife were ever to scold me, I'll say, hey, okay, I'll show you this CSI and that's the reason why we should just sleep when we quarrel. Then everything will be solved. <laughs> so I hear ET and really, bro, I mean, that, that really sounds very logical and I do thick whatever that you say and I think that there is some truth in that however what I was looking at based on some of the evidence from the story that was given to me a lot of why I think is supernatural was based on the fact that Ling herself did not come to the Airbnb place to stay and it was about a one-off incident if it was a one-off incident in the Airbnb place and they had a couple quarrel and you know I would tend to go yeah you know what this is an isolated case you are just dreaming but don't forget Ling has a history since she was young on having dreams and her dreams and premonitions are extremely accurate nothing about her youth with regards to her supernatural experiences showed us any way that the entities that were giving her these dreams were malicious it was always to give her an insight into the future now we take what she said before she when she established before she got to JB to me when I look at it she has some form of gift either third eye or the premonition she has some paranormal gift that is something that has been established right and then when she's over in JB and we heard so many haunted stories, right? It's always intense. It's always fear. But when she's in bed and she heard all that people coming in, they are just giving her advice. They're standing around her bed. And the most important line that she said was, I did not feel fear. 
your body our body has a way to protect ourselves when there is a malicious entity around when there is entity that is benevolent which is protector deity or guardian spirit we do not feel the same fear that we did when we go to a back alley and we see a chipon that led me to believe that the entity that visited her that night are maybe guardian angels why i say guardian angels this goes in in line with how we perceive our guardian angels the religion that we belong to and the religion that is dictated to us by society is two different things uh in the realm of spirituality religion doesn't have that very thick black line between christianity and buddhism and taoism and hinduism the world of spirituality in the spirit world is very blurred i'm not saying that all religions are the same but i'm saying all these religions have some form of spiritual overlap but when we as humans we see things we see very clear delimination of if i'm christian i can only see jesus christ if i am a buddhist i can only see buddha so she said very clearly that her parents are all buddhist and she at one point of time was also considering being a christian i think many of us who are free thinkers have sort of set on that fans and sometimes the things that we see is not specific to one particular religion and when this spirits come to her she sees it as her uncle her auntie malay chinese to me that's how she perceived these spirits to be whether these spirits are really auntie uncle in the age group or in that race racial category is besides the point they are just spiritual energy coming to her to give her good advice and from what her husband has also said to me that really is something that is not coincidental anymore you cannot say that that is just her dream if her husband was not there there's no witnesses it's easy to just go it's an imagination two separate people not talking about that hearing the same thing he comes in they stop primarily spirits entity benevolent or malevolent they don't react when a person is there who is stronger of chi and she did say in a story that her husband is a non-believer he's all practical and science when he goes in he disrupts the energy in that in that area and why i don't think that the spirit is her uh, manifesting herself as a form of rem uh, astral projection is she in her experience ling did not mention anything in her dreams about seeing herself in a lot of confessions that came up that were sent to us we talk about astral traveling and it's always about i see myself i i float out of myself nothing in what ling says is about floating out of self it's always about me in my spot looking at things when we see a black entity standing over somebody immediately our mindset because of the hollywood movies that we watch we always think black entity standing on top somebody equals evil right uh i'm going to share a very short story with you about a man i know he's he has passed away already uh he used to be a bicycle repair man and uh someone i known very close to it as a child because he was in my kampong he is the cleaner of a hindu temple he's not indian by the way he's chinese but in malaysia uh a chinese can go to a hindu temple and be a cleaner and that's fine there's no racial boundary so when he was cleaning uh he saw on one of his sessions a black thing moving by he thought in his very good intent that the black thing is actually uh a thief coming in to rob the temple so he gave chase and 
obviously the black thing went into the the effigy of the the, the deity and disappeared, and he couldn't find any clues. The next day, his whole arm and leg was swollen, and he didn't know why. When he went to the the priest, and the priest said, "Oh, it's, uh, the god is angry with you." So, long story short, he found out that the black thing that he was chasing is actually a deity, and he offended it. So, if I were to take that story and overlay on this story that Ling's husband saw a black figure standing over Ling, and Ling has no fear whatsoever, and I have established that whatever that she was seeing is benevolent. That black thing could actually be holy in nature and not a demonic entity that we all would have immediately assumed. Them being humans and we have fears and we have no knowledge of supernatural. Naturally, we see things like that and we get freaked out. If it was a demon and it was meant to show itself to you and it's meant to do harm, it's not about to disappear when you come out. Is going to get your fear from you, and at no point in time did Ling or her husband honestly felt fear from this entity. They only felt fear because of their human preconception of what supernatural is. So they sat around, they huddled to seven a.m. But guess what? Their relationship is is better after that. Yeah, I agree with Tay. I mean, there was something actually I thought of as well. That bunch of guys that she she dreamt of was somewhat like guardian angels or something talking to her right so why I really like this story because as much as it sounded very scary at the start but when you break it down actually it's it's very enriching that you know she had these guardian angels around her uh, maybe it's her own mind that got her to solve this problem that she had with the hubby right and it ended like a fairy tale so that's why I really love this story it, it, it's scary then it becomes like some, you know, Taiwanese drama, and then it becomes happily ever after kind of thing. So, so that's why I think I really love this story this evening. Supernatural Confessions. And that concludes this episode of Supernatural Confessions. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you're listening from. Supernatural Confessions, the podcast, is free to listen to on Apple, Spotify, Google and wherever podcasts are played. You can also share our podcasts and our content with your friends and help us grow our network of supernatural fans and enthusiasts. For more information on what we do and where we do it, like us on Facebook and visit supernaturalconfessions.com. Until our next installment, my name is Tim O, and this is Supernatural Confessions. Supernatural.